0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Hour, where we provide plat- practical advice to entrepreneurs. We're sponsored in part by Tech Alpharetta, which operates as an operates innovation center for startups. We meet every Wednesday at 8 a.m. We're an open door and invite all to present and participate. We have some ground rules. Generally, we uh, have about a 10 to 12 minute Uh, presentation that's made and after that I the moderator asks a few questions of clarification if need be. Those questions are meant to be helpful for audience understanding. This is followed by a QA and a session. Uh, We strongly encourage the participants to use the chat to ask the questions. Uh, This is for two reasons so that the presenter can see them during his presentation and that you don't forget them during the presentation. Uh, please keep your questions and your answers brief, little or no preamble will be appreciated, no blow, bloviating, we will promptly end at nine. Today, we have Chad Bureau with us and he is um, with a company that, I guess you're the CEO, um, uh, One Answer Data Solutions. One answer is a collection of Power BI experts that solve the problem of executives. who have too much information, too many reports to read, too much data to comprehend. And they build dashboards with Power BI. Um, Chad's had this company, I guess since my notes indicate 2015, you shut it down for about three months, three years, and then you kind of reopened it in 2020. So you're, somewhat of a pivot uh kind of mode um so why don't you take it from there and uh, uh tell us what you're about
1: sure well thanks so much for that intro are you able to see the screen okay yes okay perfect well uh you're right uh, thanks so much for this opportunity to talk to you all and i really am looking forward to getting your feedback uh as Chuck mentioned, we had a good run for a couple of years. We had one uh, client that was, uh, we did $1.5 million one year and it was really good, but we focused too much on that one client and didn't focus on building other business. And so when that project ended, we had to scramble and repivot uh, like uh, Chuck was saying. And then, um, so we've restarted back in uh, last year. Uh, Good time with COVID and everything going on. Good time to reevaluate. A lot of people reevaluating a lot of things with that. So um, let me talk you through where we're at and hopefully uh, spend the bulk of the time just getting uh, your ideas on how to make it better and how I can present better and et cetera. So um, we focus at one answer at at solving um, people's toughest technical challenges um, through analytics. So uh, we're focused on a lot of different um, areas, but it's, it's all related to the core data uh, that you have. And we focus on uh, various industries, but we have a specialty in healthcare and uh, some of our main uh, customers have been healthcare. So what types of problems do we solve? Um, our key solution that I think is the biggest differentiator is the deduplication solution. So. When different um, healthcare providers or um, insurance companies are looking at their records, there's often uh, since they have different feeds coming in or different systems, it's it's very likely that that your your personal uh, patient record is in multiple times in their system, and they they don't have a great way to identify who those people are and combine them. And so uh, back uh, uh, at Advent Health, I started uh, this uh, effort and continue that with San Francisco Health Plan that I mentioned earlier and Health First over here in Melbourne uh, that you might be familiar with if you're uh, familiar with the Florida area. So uh, for each one of these, I've evolved the solution to improve uh, and it takes basically the the names uh, and then um, combines those or looks for a combination of any of these uh, first and last name, address that we geocode and clean phone number that we clean up and other identifiers. And uh, it doesn't just um, do like a single match. It does a very um, complicated combinations of those and tries to um, find ones that are re- related and puts the highest uh, related ones at the top so that you can determine what the best fit um, or what's most likely to be the same patient so that you can combine the records. So seems like when I've talked to different people, a lot of people have had this experience where they've called in and said, you know, I'm Joe Smith. And they're like, well, which one, you know? And and so it's, it's important to keep uh, the records uh, organized for a lot of different reasons uh, from a healthcare standpoint. So that's one of the solutions that uh, we've solved well over the years. Another one um, is kind of a more broadly applied one is where should we expand to the next location? You know, we have customers, uh, customer base in this area, but um, we're kind of getting more customers in this other area. Should we add a location? And so what we do is we look at um, the traffic uh, routes and your typical hours of business and map out all your individual customers uh, to uh, different locations and say, okay, if you're looking at three different locations, this one is more optimal uh, based on where your customers need it. And then another problem um, that uh, we've solved recently is uh, with Regal Boats here, um, right over by the Orlando Airport. Um, they're a, they were a great company to uh, to do a project with. They were trying to focus on how do we increase boat sales, and they're actually doing really well with you know the pandemic and everything. Uh, a lot of people are moving to more um, you know recreational vehicles or boating because they can do it independently without. Um, you know, being around a lot of other people and exposing themselves. So their sales have been increasing, but um, they were asking how can we increase it more? And basically after we analyzed all the data, we gave them a really good um, dashboard in Power BI and worked with our team to train them how to expand it in the future. And basically what the root cause uh, was that we were able to identify is they have so much actually of backlog orders that it's taking you know, over a year in some cases to get the boat that they have ordered. So people just really want their boat sooner. Uh, So the main focus was if you can increase production to meet the demand, then you'll get a lot more sales. And so they ramped up their their plans to uh, expand their production line. So that was um, one other use case story. So the, the general use case story of what we provide for dashboards is trying to optimize um, the reporting needs that people have. So those are, um, let me give you kind of an example. So if you think about it, how long does it take each morning to understand like what's going on in your business? So uh, if we equate that to uh, uh, coffee and let the coffee cup be our hourglass, you know, does it take you know, a Vente or um, Grande, what size cup of coffee? And Mike, you got a good one, good size coffee there, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to really understand your business. And uh, it might take quite a bit more than you want um, based on uh, what information you have. So our um, solution is basically to take these disconnected reports uh, from compliance, maybe operations, marketing, HR, finance, take all these different reports and merge them into a single dashboard. So Power BI is a Microsoft product that we uh, focus on mainly and it has uh, a lot of good capabilities to integrate data from multiple data sources and visualize it in a way that makes sense. And the idea is you should only need that size cup of coffee to uh, understand your business if you have all the data in the right place and integrated. And we, if we look at a dashboard, we have the rule of five that we go by. We say, when you look at all your information on this nice dashboard, it should take you no more than five seconds to determine if there's a problem. So we organize the dashboard very clearly so that you have major metrics at the top that says, is there a problem? It should give you context on what either your competitors are doing or what you did last year to say, okay, is there a problem? And then it should take you no more than five minutes to explore the root cause. So we try to organize the dashboards in in layers to say, okay, let's look at this area and uh, dig dig down to see what the root cause of the problem is. And then um, this whole solution should take no more than five weeks to build. Uh, That's another rule, uh, another five that we have. And then we have five proprietary software tools to help build the solutions faster because we build the end product with Microsoft Power BI, but we've developed five different uh, solutions to help get you there much faster and much more cost effective. And so, if you look at it, you could, um, if your team's overwhelmed with lots of reports, you could just hire more people. Uh, that's one option, or you could get better tools and ter- transform your team into superheroes. So, that's what we try to do uh, with the solutions that we provide. We try to use your existing uh, team and just augment it with better tools uh, to understand your data. And uh, those specifically are, um, those five that, that we talked about are tools to help you understand your data. Um, that we have different uh, profiling techniques to say, okay, you have data source X over here and Y over here. And what's in that, how do we integrate it together? So we have some tools that we've built to integrate Uh, that data more affected by understanding what's there. And uh, then we've also got uh, master data management, um, some of the ones I talked about uh, for the deduplication, standardization, et cetera. And then we've got better ways to integrate the data. So we have some auditing uh, control tables and some different pre-built templates in order to merge the data uh, that are common in the industry, but we can build them much faster than our competitors. And then uh, we've got different things uh, to give you more insight um, into the data as well, following industry standards of how we lay out the the dashboards, et cetera. And our goal is so that you can take action more quickly. Like we said, in five minutes, be able to know what you need to do to take the appropriate action. So those are our uh, five key um, uh, areas. So like um, we said, we uh, started in 2015. We grew uh, to a staff of 20 um, with the San Francisco health plan, uh, max gross revenue of 1.5 million. And then uh, that project ended and now we're um, doing smaller projects as we uh, build up. But we, we have served several um, and even one of the more recent ones here, uh, Kaiser, that we did a project with is not on here, but uh, we've, got, uh, we've done Microsoft consulting. We charge about half of what Microsoft charges for the same consulting time. Uh, that that you get with Microsoft, um, but we've we do a lot of different industries. We've worked in the automotive industry, utilities, uh, healthcare is our, our bread and butter, and uh, but we're really just trying to expand and figure out who um, we can help and uh, how can we help. We can basically help you build these dashboards that integrate your data. We can. Um, look at just a problem that you have, and that's great, and say, you know, what's the specific problem, and see if we can uh, accomplish something on it, uh, or help you accomplish uh, the task that you you have. Um, in terms of data, if it's a large-scale organization, they have this disconnected data, we build these structures called data lakes and dashboards to just integrate the data together and present it effectively, so we can we can do that and as a speed surge, we save you time. So uh, we, we go considerably faster than our competitors just because we've invested so much time into the technologies that we use and we uh, can leverage those with, with projects. Um, so how do you take the next steps? Uh, we like to just sit down with you for you know, no, no charge, do a free four to eight hours analysis. We sit down with you for a few hours, review what you need, go off and do some research and documentation, come back, uh, review it with you and just say, okay, this is the problem you want to tackle. This is the um, the cost of the services, and uh, let's see if it makes sense uh, to solve it together. We can do a proof of concept, uh, so we could do one week at a, a reduced rate, and then continue at um, you know the the normal rate, which I said is like half of what Microsoft charges their consulting services. And we also do a shared risk model, and if you have a problem that you don't think is solvable. We like those types of challenges, and we can say, you know, uh, if we lockstep agree that when we make a recommendation, we're going to have good faith that that if you agree on it, we're going to try to do it. And those are more long term projects that are more like a year. And we say, you know, we'll um, charge you a fraction of what even what we normally charge as a guaranteed value. But then we say, if we accomplish something like your profit increases by thirty percent. Then we say, okay, then ten percent of that uh, increase, uh, up to our normal contracting amount, is uh, what we charge. So that's a very sh- shared risk where we're in it uh, for a long haul, and you're in it, and we just we just um, join together and try to solve the problem. So and yeah, like like this says, we only. Um, Charge that minimal amount, and then um, we get paid when the um, a, objective is accomplished. Okay. So that's uh, that's what I have for you. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And um, and thank you,
0: yeah, thanks Chad, thank, thank, thanks very much. I have uh, a few questions. First of all, I believe your target uh, audience is highly paid executives with too much uh, reports to read in not enough time.
1: Yep, that, that is true for, uh, like one key segment of what we do. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're assuming that that person is the one who's going to make the decision to hire you, right?
1: Yeah. Um, right. If we have the other areas that are like deduplication that are a different model, but the core of what we do is, is right the executives. And, and it's been tr- difficult sometimes to get in front of those types of people.
0: So I guess is this? Do you use this as a sales pitch to those, or is this just a general information kind of uh, presentation?
1: Mm-hmm. This presentation, we, uh, we've done this a couple different places, like One Million Cups, and um, similarly. But um, we have a little bit more targeted approach when we get in front of someone that we say try to look at what and guess of what their types of problems that they have, and try to focus the presentation on them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, we've only made a few key presentations and the ones we have, we've gotten those contracts. So it's, our trouble is more like even just getting in front of those people because we can, we're generally good at convincing those people to do a project with us, but just to get an audience with them is been the biggest challenge, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: If you get an audience with that, I, I think broadly speaking, you wanna flip your presentation. In other words, your last slides in general should be your first. Okay, Because you went through the detailed uh, case and use reports, which are really subordinate to uh, uh, a dashboard that's going to solve the executive's problem. Mm. So okay. I'd say start with their pain point and then so show all the subordinate issues necessary to create that. So, um, and and that is, is, they're not really carried. He's not going to be carried, uh, too concerned about deduplication. That's a lower... A lower level risk. He wants at fair, accurate reporting, you know, that kind of things. Maybe even fair and balanced reporting and voting, even, who knows? So, um, you know, but um, a couple of questions in the chat. Uh, let's say, uh, do your proprietary tools result in any recurring revenue? Jay Burnett asked that question.
1: Yeah, so we um, did have a model uh, with San Francisco Health Plan that it would it'd be a recurring uh, yearly charge. Um, the ones that we've had uh, recently have been more short term. And so we use the tools and then um, we haven't been charging uh, on a recurring basis. But if we get a large enough project, that would be the, um, the plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Jay, you have a follow up?
2: Yeah, thank you uh, for your presentation. I appreciate appreciate learning about you. It it seems like you're primarily a services business. uh, And also, it seems like you are probably driving a lot of Power BI utilization at companies. Mm -hmm. Um, With that, I wonder if you have investigated the Microsoft Partner Program, um, because as you say, they do charge a lot for their consulting services. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what they do is they bring a partner in with them and the customer may sign on, on Microsoft paper and you get to do the work. Um, still at pretty good rates, um, but, it, but it also helps you get, you know, up the chain of command in the organization quickly.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great uh, point. We, we have joined the partner program. We are a partner, but we haven't gotten any business from it. Some of the challenges are you have to have five people with certain levels of competency to get a gold, silver and gold level standard to get more. And we just, we don't have that number of people uh, currently. Um, yeah. But I would, I would love to, and I probably should spend more time trying to figure out how to tap into that market. So that's a good.
2: Yeah, I would, um, I would encourage you to um, consider the um, sales impact you're having on Microsoft's benefit. So um, toward Microsoft's benefit, I've been through the partner program before. I understand that there are the certification elements and things along those lines. Um, But uh, when you find the right person who's responsible for Power BI sales Hmm. um, or numbers in some fashion in your area, and you convince them that you are impacting that, a whole lot of challenges can go away. Hmm. Um, So... There's there's kind of the smoke screen. We want to know if you're serious kind of approach that Microsoft can can throw up against you. But when uh, when you're driving sales for them of a uh, product that they're trying to trying to you know get more traction with, then you'll
0: you'll get love from them.
1: Good idea, good suggestion. I'll definitely take a look at
0: that. Hmm. Tom, Tom asks a very uh, question, where do you want to be in three years?
1: Well, I would love to uh, get back to 20 um, contractors. You know, 20 um, total uh, team members um, in the next three years. Uh, I'd love to uh, expand from um, the analytics into more formalizing and um, uh, publishing the products that we have on a more broad scale, so that other consulting companies could use it and pay us. I think the the long term benefit is in the software that we've developed. Uh, We're kind of using it to prove out the technology right now, although I've been working on it for 10 years. Any software is never done, right? So, but it can always be improved. And so we're, uh, I'd like to expand out in the the software and make it more accessible to um, end users and consulting companies.
3: Yeah, what drove my question is, in any custom business like yours, it's very, very difficult to scale. Um, a couple of questions, who besides you could give this pitch and convince customers? You know, I understand it, uh, you with your background, getting in front of the customer, your close rate is very high, but how, one, how do you scale that? Uh, and two, um, frankly, I'm not sure it is, but the thing is, I think that the point about Microsoft as a partner, what you need is somebody to fill that funnel for you um and uh, get in so that you can truly close it that's the only way you can scale the business is you're going to spend an incredible amount of time prospecting and um, you don't get any dollars for prospecting so uh, really think about uh i call it force multiplication how you can get other people to carry your initial load that's hmm. that's the, the the real challenge you've got and, and obviously microsoft seems like you know the obvious player to do it so.
1: hmm. Yeah, we and um, Mark Bryson was with us for a little bit, and he we experienced that very thing. We he spent a lot of time trying to just get customers in the door, but he found that um, the people that were interested uh, already had somebody, or the people who weren't as interested didn't know they needed a dashboarding system, or uh, didn't think they needed it, uh, and that some people don't, but. There's a lot of people who could benefit from it, but uh, convincing them they do need it is is difficult, like you said. So, yeah. And I, if you have some ideas on how to um, to partner with others to fill that funnel, I mean, we we can do like referral bonuses and things like that. What what suggestions do you have for me on that? Because I, I think there's some good information.
3: Well, the key is if you could make the Microsoft or any sales team. Uh, Think of you as one more arrow in their quiver, mm-hmm. one more reason to call on their existing accounts. Uh, that's that's really what you want to do. Uh, so uh, the actual incentive that you give them that gets very sticky with a company like Microsoft. But mm-hmm. what you could do is you if you could help them be more successful by giving them, as I said, one more arrow, one more one more reason to call on their existing accounts. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a key. the The other thing too is, the dashboard is it's the pretty face okay uh, what your real value it seems to be is figuring out what to put on the dashboard that's true okay and and I think the key for that uh, and I'm, I'm going to try not to blow like uh, uh, Chuck warned us about the key to that is getting the customers to tell them what they already tell you what they already know hmm. they know what the critical factors are but getting explaining to somebody else uh, is really the key uh, the key. And if you can pick that up and figure that out, and then the dashboard is nothing more than a way of helping them understand what their problems are. So the dashboard isn't the goal, it's, it's the knowledge behind the dashboard that you really have to sell.
1: So. I,
2: would, I would argue quickly, just um, real quickly to follow on what Tom said, that the key, um, you know, Chuck earlier said start with the end in the beginning, right? Talk about the dashboards. And in particular, when you have very little time with upper executives, um, not just talking about what customers you work with, but talk about what pain you solve for them, right? Mm. You know, um, we build dashboards, we help you get the right metrics on here. And we saved, you know, $10,000 a month at so-and-so customer, right? Or we help them identify a problem, you know, in advance of their customers or something that would be, that's going to translate to, you know, to dollars or less pain very quickly.
1: Okay. Bring it, bring it into something that's tangible, real for them. Okay, that's- Right. Exactly right.
2: Yeah. Right. And particularly, one more thing, particularly if you're in with Microsoft, you've got to distinguish yourself from things that Microsoft can do, right? You want to kind of stand out as, hey, we're the group that actually did this for Customer X, right? With this great tool by Microsoft of Power BI, we could never do it without them, but we're the ones who actually made the pain go
0: away, right?
4: Exactly,
0: Mike. Do you want to add anything on the Microsoft uh, partner program again?
5: Well, I, I saw Scott's uh, comment for about sales team. So um, the question the question comes down to is two things: as a consulting company, uh, it's so hard because you go from one customer to the next customer to the next customer. You eventually consult yourself out of a job if the project's done. Um, so you got to constant have a pipeline. One way to do it, as mentioned now multiple times, is by becoming a Microsoft Gold partner. You need five, I believe it was. It's been 10 years since I was a Microsoft Gold partner. But basically, friends, family, anybody that's got those certifications that you know, let them loan their their certification number to your team. That's how you get started. So once you have your five, you become gold certified. Then you reach out to your local area contacts. Who is driving BI, Power BI in your area? Take them to lunch. Let them know who you are so that they have you at the top of their mind when they go to talk to a customer. Um, that's it. Plain and simple. That's how you survive in Microsoft's world. And you can build it multi-million dollars. And I've seen it done here in Atlanta one company go from two guys that were gold certified in two weeks to where they do twenty five to fifty million in business a year, depending upon the year. And they're in the legal. Realm. So that's one way to do it. The other way is to look for a recurring rent. Mm-hmm. And then I yield to Scott, the sales question. Yeah, you
4: you know, when you're have if you have a salesperson or a sales team they're going to get you a better price because you're going to be the owner. You're going to go back and forth because they're going to want to drop the price all the time. And the salespeople can keep the money up in for you. So there's a lot of different things you can do. But you can have processes, playbooks. You have everything you want in there. So you have everybody knows how they're going to make their, their number. So. Because if you're the CEO, they're going to pound on you for, you know, getting a better price. You know, if you have somebody else in the bit, in the middle of it, you know, we'll, we could get the pain, money, and decision, make it easy. So, really-
0: uh, Ch- Chad, one of the, the things that I see is you did mention you had somewhat of a concentration in the healthcare industry. Yeah, we do one of the things that people want to see is that you're in their industry to stay, that you're just mm-hmm. happen to fly through. So if you've got some expertise and some referenceable sort of successes there, I would suggest you go to conferences and actually meet the people who are going to be the potential customers yeah. and just be there. Essentially 90% of the job is showing up kind of thing. Um, that, that would be a good way to start to find out who's having problems before they go out to bid. And maybe they'll remember you, hey, I know this guy kind of thing, and then call you first. Um, that that would be one way to feed the funnel. Morning. So I think that's important. Um, the, the The other thing I was thinking of was By sticking to BI, you are limiting yourself to people who would use Tableau, for instance, because you're software specific. And if you run into a customer who really needs your skill, um, metrics that they should be looking at, um, the contents of the dashboard, um, is there a way that you can have that Tableau expertise imported, or at least referred to, even though you may not be using it presently. In other words, a
1: 1099er. Sure. No, that's a great idea. And I, there was one uh, colleague, a former colleague of mine uh, at, uh, when I did some work with Advent Health, that I, uh, he was one of the top like 50 Tableau developers in the world, listed on Tableau's like ranking. And so I could partner with him again and say, you know, we do Power BI and Tableau, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe even Click. You know, so uh, oh, yeah. that's a good, that's a very good suggestion. Try to not limit myself to one technology.
0: Right. You don't need to be a uh, Microsoft evangelist to help <laughs> a particular industry. Um, one of your slides actually had sort of five points slide kind of. Arrows of pointing across the top. And it actually looked very much like a Dynamics 365 implementation slide. Mm. Um, so I, I was just curious if, 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 A, you're familiar with Dynamics 365, and what other ERP systems that you'd be drawing data from would you be able to interface with?
1: Yeah, so we've um, at Advent Health, it was Cerner, that was the main ERP. Uh, we've done, um, uh, Oracle e-business suite back at Citizens Energy Group. Um, there's Epic, um, that we can integrate with uh, those Epic and Epic, I think is the biggest I think is one, of either it's two or three and uh, other th- ones like NextGen. And we, we do have some significant experience in a lot of those and it takes years to get good at that. And, and I've been at this, um, 20 years. So it's, um, That's a good point maybe we should highlight our what we integrate with in the past and it's easier to work with us because we know your data you know your systems and if they see that maybe they'll be more uh, willing to work with us
0: yeah children's hospital here actually went over to epic systems two Mm -hmm. years ago and the conversion was an epic failure (laughs) intended um so i mean I know they were actually running their their hospital bed count off of Excel spreadsheets at the time, um, so it it was a mess. But there would seem to be an opportunity because even after you've converted to the system and fixed all the data, that data is still bad, and I'm sure. not sure they'll ever correct it. But uh, um, you know that that would be one opportunity. But to get to meet those, you've you kind of have to be where they go, not where you, where you go. Um, so um, I would create different kind of, I would say web pages, but presentations for each industry that you want to attack so that you're not bringing snow to Alaska. In other words, you're never going to get a customer if you go to a power BI meeting, you're going to meet other power BI guys who are looking for customers. Um, so, that would be interesting so that when you go into healthcare, you say, Well, here's all my referenceable uh, success stories, if you will. And if you were to go into, say, automotive or supply chain, you have a similar uh, uh, approach, shall we say, or a sales pitch to do that. So, um,
3: uh, Chuck, if I could uh, build on that for a second, I had to step away. I'm sorry, the painter's here at the Tech Alpharetta Center. So. So I may, you may have covered this, but um, a couple of things just in reverse order. Uh, uh, Chuck, I think what you said, and I'd like to refer to as your web page as a launching page, not a landing page. And so the launching page, the first page talks about different industries or different solutions. And you click on that to go to something very specific, uh, you know, for industry, something that really resonates with people. Um, the reason I say that is nobody wants to hear about Uh, oil and gas industry if they're in healthcare, you know, like that so as quickly as you can is get people get your website to focus in on them. So, so think of your homepage as a launching page that takes them to a landing page. Okay, so subtle difference. The other thing too is somewhere in your presentation, uh, early on, you want to get the message across. uh, Well, first of all, let me back up. Uh, There's two sides of every business cost side of business, and the revenue side of business. Senior executives are forced to take time to think about costs. They want to focus on revenue. So if somewhere in your message can be we can help you uh, increase revenue within the reporting period. Now, if you're dealing with a public company, that's it. That those are magic words. Increase revenue within a reporting period. If you can get something like that, and then put the cost, you know savings somewhere deep in the presentation or not at all but uh so think about your presentation if you're talking to senior executives we can help you increase revenue within the reporting period by doing this providing you with more insight and we provide that insight through this dashboard which by the way happens to be built on the industry standard micro- microsoft and so forth so you'll want to build a story in what they want to hear first and then how you do it much later on
5: And I'm gonna, I'd like to add to something here. Chuck was absolutely right and correct with, you have different sales decks for different industries. Um, And what you need to do in the sales decks is you've had those customers, you've had somebody in automotive and healthcare, et cetera. So as you're building them out, remember what their pains were. Just make a list of the top three pains across each industry and speak to those pain points in the deck so that you're hitting the same pain points that you know that the customer may have. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like customer discovery, almost a Sandler sales approach to where yep. you wanna find out what their need is, what their pain is, especially in a consultative sales type uh, solution. So you you know, focus in on those three or four, as then as Tom said, especially for public traded companies, the revenue aspect of it, increasing the revenue in a shorter period of time, et cetera, is going to really perk their ears. It's going to show, hey, this guy's worked in our industry. He knows what our pains are. And the best question is, is how have you tried to solve these pains? Or do you have them and how you solved them? If they haven't even done a Google search, forget it. You're not going to get in the door.
0: Mm. So. Yeah. You know, one of the things that Tom was focusing in on is really outcome-based sales more so than feature-based sales. You gave us three case use things that you could do. I think it was uh, deduplication, um, best sales location analysis, and things like that. Well, each one of those has an outcome that the executive has to relate to. Yeah. Um, and so that that's really important. Don't focusing on what you do but what is the outcome that they're trying to achieve no no one really buys a feature they just buy the outcome and and that's that's really important and if you can be a guide to them uh, on the way to that outcome they're always going to look at you as uh, you know a positive influence and somebody they want to have on your team uh, so um With respect to feeding the funnel, um, I think I've given you my idea how you can reach out. But I think uh, here again, that you have to figure out just how you're gonna do that and where you're gonna get your clients from. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about Microsoft, but um, I'm wondering, can you develop um, dashboards for NetSuite, for instance? because uh, they have a dashboard idea there as well. And the only reason I'm su- suggesting that is, is that the way you can scale is scale to different platforms other than Power BI and then different industries as well. So you'd be more of a horizontal scaling rather than a vertical one. So I'd start to segment your your approach along those lines.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, yeah we, we certainly could go... Different areas, so we just have to decide not to go all all different places at the same time. <laughs> right, so, which is well. the the biggest bang for our buck to get us to the next milestone, and then um, I think your, your suggestion earlier about like if we find other partners or other people that already have those skill sets, then we could scale easier than me trying to learn you know a different uh, Tableau or something like that. So I think that's a good. Um, suggestion if we become a little bit more versatile um, and um, with partners, you know, and then then we can grow faster. Maybe. Yeah, I, I yeah. Would,
2: and Mike, Mike might uh, confirm this as well, but in my experience as a, as a Microsoft partner, you actually get more traction when you're not exclusive. So if you're only talking about Power BI, then you'll get some attention from them, but they kind of know that you're going to you know, you're just always in their, in their wheelhouse, right? Um, when you're, you know, when they, you don't talk to Microsoft a lot about it, but when they realize that, hey, they do a lot of stuff with Tableau and they could be, you know, um, steering customers toward Tableau instead of Power BI, you tend to get more love from them. Um, what One of the thing, kind of on a tangent I want to mention since I have the floor for a moment is you, I, you may already realize this, but I'd like to encourage you to think from a future growth standpoint um, about machine learning. Because one thing that um, you're already doing is a critical part of machine learning, which is cleaning up the data, right? Yeah. Somehow you can have um, your tooling as, as critical for that and not just let everybody have the resultant data. Um, then you can start building very simplistic models, but get to you know have the machine learning tag associated with it. That feeds into a dashboard. Now you've got a saleable model mm-hmm. that is not about your consulting revenue, right? It's about some um, model that you can license to others, right? And now you kind of returning. You have kind of recurring revenue from your existing customers. You've got some customers you built, you know, analysis dashboards, which are somewhat a historical look kind of dashboard. But now with machine learning, you can kind of present a forward-looking a little bit, right? And now you could turn it into a recurring revenue model.
5: And Jay's absolutely right on that because I had a consulting company. And what I did is my biggest mistake was when I signed my first client, I locked myself into consulting to them for three years to where I couldn't go out and sell. So I had to find out figure out how number one bring in a sales team number two and trust them and the right sales people and then number two i quickly pivoted within that first year to a reoccurring revenue so i went from being microsoft consulting building networks data centers etc to offering managed services and then the following year online data backup and that went through the roof and so If you can pivot to figure out how to get that reoccurring revenue, that will also be there on the days when that you've ended your consulting engagement and now you've got a six month line of nothing coming in until you land your next customer. So you just can't, you can't be consulting and going after another customer if it's just you. So you've got to figure out that model that's going to work best for you to get your revenue constantly coming in, or instead of you doing the consulting work, you hire a consultant on a temp basis and you're doing nothing but feeding that pipeline, if that makes sense.
0: So to jump in on here, um, Chad, you mentioned at one point that you had some proprietary tools that you had built out and were considering maybe trying to, you know, turn that into a SaaS business. Could you just talk a couple of minutes on that? Just, I mean, is that,
4: is that a viable SaaS product that you can ultimately pivot to as you know like a couple of people have been saying to go to more recurring revenue model?
1: Yeah so we uh, I did an analysis of different competitors that were doing similar things like Wearscape is one of them, uh, Attunity was one of them and uh, Wearscape is doing really well in the industry um, Attunity was bought for uh, several hundred million dollars um, recently so some of the things that we were try- i was trying to do already other people have done and more formalized and done a really um done very well in the industry uh, it's it's um what i find challenging is just knowing what to spend my time on you know if i look at uh, if i have to be you know 25 to 50% better than the competition i've got to spend all my time on on developing the product but i've got to spend time to develop the consulting business enough to make enough revenue to spend the time on that. But it is um, based on the number of competitors that are doing very similar things and what, what I'm um, doing, um, It it is a very viable um, long-term um, benefit. And these are um, an order of magnitude higher profits than the consulting, um, because it's, it's harder to scale the consulting than it is to scale the, the software.
4: So is it sounded like the tool that you would
1: build most of ETL, like automating ETL pipeline? Yes, yeah, so it, it is. That's right. Is name?
0: there is there anything that you develop that is quasi unique within that space? As
4: you said there are quite a few people doing that just, you know, because it's a it's a hot space now. But have you guys built anything that's you know even mm-hmm. pseudo unique where you could go out and go, here's our unique value
0: within that space?
1: Well, what we're trying to do right now is build an add-on to Azure Data Studio um, because that's something people already have and there's no add-on to that tool and that's a Microsoft tool. There's no add-on to that tool that um, already people already use. So that might be a distinctive factor but that's something, something we have right now. The, the distinctive factor I think we have now is the fact that we have this deduplication solution that integrates with the ETL um, uh, automation solutions. So we we have uh, tools that automatically build uh, SSIS packages, for example, and we're trying to get it to automatically build Azure Data Factory uh, pipelines through the Microsoft API. So um, we are making progress, like in a sp- each spot area, but we've got to spend time to bring the whole together and get the whole solution working. Uh, I think before we can effectively scale it, but I don't know that there's any um, significant differentiator that some one of our competitors hasn't already done, but we're trying to like do the best of what they're doing, all doing uh, together.
5: Back up for a second. You just said that you're working on something for an add-on for Microsoft Cloud that's not available anywhere. Is that correct?
1: Well, Azure Data Studio is is a Microsoft installed a desktop application basically but it, it connects to data and I, one of the challenges to get people to use our software is they don't want to put in their passwords for to some untrusted um, or unproven technology in the industry so when they put all their credentials already in this azure data studio to manage their uh, database and things like that then if we add on and say okay now we you can do etl automation in a Microsoft pre-built secure environment. I think that's where we're trying to get with that. I
2: I would highly encourage you, if, if you're not already, I'd highly encourage you to make those tools licensed, even if with customers, you're not charging them for the license. And the reason for that is because the output of that is um, you know, you you, you may, uh, your developers may think about, hey, we're just doing this so we can get the stuff ready to be into our dashboard, right? But the value created there is so valuable, not only for dashboards, but like I said, for future machine learning. Mm-hmm. You'd like to be able to control that people can't get that data and use it without using your tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully someday you can charge for them.
1: Okay. So licensing, also- not a charge right now, but then we can convert it.
2: If you build it out as like
5: a minimal viable product um, to where you could give it away in a pilot program and let them use it and test it, and you refine it, then you actually have a software product. Mm. And if it takes off and you could sell it through Microsoft as an add-on feature, Microsoft mm-hmm. will be very interested in buying that you mm-hmm. or licensing it from you.
2: And then you're talking
5: millions.
1: That's a great point.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's it's like people said in the past, Microsoft doesn't sneeze for less than about five million dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: that's can be
1: that'd be great if we could. Well, well,
5: now with that two billion dollar valuation, it may actually go up to
1: ten. <laughs> Even better.
2: Sounds like you've got a tiger by the tail. You just got to figure out how to control it long enough to, to
0: let go.
1: <laughs> that's a great analogy. That's.
0: I have one final question. If you could pull up your next step slide. Sure. Since I have probably one minute and 10 seconds left. Okay. Um, the uh, That's a great slide. I mean, that's... The next step is, is important in any sales process. Um, but my, my point centers on the fact is that you actually put three steps in the slide. So um, you do free analysis, you do proof of concept and a shared risk model. And so in that next step, really the next step is you just want to get into the door. And I think it's just number one. The other two, I think, are negotiated items. So okay. I guess my point here is to develop your sales pitches so you just get to the next step. Always have the next step in mind, right? And don't
1: um, try to lay out the other options. Just just try to get, get that to the analysis. next step. In
0: other words, when you're on the elevator and somebody asks what you do, you you want him to remember that. Take your card. And then you want to meet with him for coffee later. don't try to meet plan out the next four meetings just get to the coffee later so and, and, and don't do it and don't do it for free yeah, yeah the proof of concept and all that stuff pay they've got to pay for definitely um, yeah.
2: Yeah. You don't, and, yeah, and, and you wouldn't, you don't want to reduce your rates. If anything, I would suggest you say, Hey, for, you know, longer term engagements, we may have lo- reduced rates, right? Cause that works for your business anyway, but um, you don't have people on the bench that way. Right. But uh, yeah, I would, t- I would completely take number two off the table. So
0: just make sure the next I, step, I would t- the te- the step you want them to take. So. so the other thing is price yourself accordingly. Um, I was always
5: trained, I was, you know, always advised uh, as an IT director, etc. when I was back in corporate America, is when you request RFPs, request for proposals, and you get them in, the lowest quote always goes in the trash, and the highest quote always goes in the trash. And then you want to be able to price yourself in that medium so you can go up and go down. You never want to be the lowest. That's why I say don't do it for free. No analysis. That's going to be a turn off uh, You're wasting time. You're wasting your own money. Uh, make them pay for it. So if you feel that the next thing is an analysis of your data, say that's what we, the next step would be uh, a one week or eight hour, whatever it is, analysis of your data at this price. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. when you get back to the analysis, the next thing is, we can build out a proof of concept for this price. Boom. And then okay. if you want to do something else doing on, uh, you know, implementing, then it's going to cost this. Am I right, Scott?
4: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent because they will pay the money. If you just ask, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people go, let's do something for free or really reduced. You, you just know this is our, Fee for this uh, four to hours. We're going to do this, this, and this for that. It, it's going to cost you twenty five hundred bucks or whatever. You know, I'm just making a number. So same thing with everything else. You can come through it. They will pay the the money. Sure. You know, it's
1: so enough to be reasonable, but not zero, so it, that I we can. Well, that's
4: that's why you have the salespeople that would do that stuff mm-hmm. because they can be the intermediary. You know, and go through it and say because with what you can move that stuff up there. You you just people just get um, afraid that they're gonna lose that count or there somebody's gonna take it over or whatever. It doesn't come back that way. It really is. You can actually just move the, the the numbers up, and they'll and they'll still work work with you. You might lose one or two, but you're it's gonna be better for you. And you'll have better
1: processing. maybe uh, my question may be the last question. So, what, what pricing model you go generally on a time basis, or maybe just you go the fixed cost model? Yeah. So, um, we have different rates for different levels of expertise. But I, uh, for my time, it's 175 an hour uh, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And Microsoft was charging like 340 for my time. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a someone who I'm managing. Uh, that's one twenty-five dollars for that person. Okay, Okay. Um, my question is most of the times when you go and present your solution or anything, right? So you do charge them uh, on a fixed cost model, something like you understand what their needs are and quote, maybe I'm going to charge you $100,000 or something like that. Or you say that I don't know what it's going to take, I charge you by hour. We do have fixed bid. And like Regal was an example, was a fixed bid. And it took um, about three weeks more than what we had estimated because some of their, yeah. on their end. Yeah. Uh, but we just said fixed fixed bid and they were happy with that because they got the result they were hoping yeah. for for the price that they agreed to. So that that worked well. Okay, okay. okay. okay.
3: if I could offer just uh, uh, something to consider between the free proof of concept and full price, it's a, it's a technique I've used in the past. It's been very, very effective. I call it a conditional sale. And, and I'm making this up, say, uh, we're gonna do one week's worth of work for $5,000. And at the end of the period, we won't bill you till the end of the period. And if it works, it's $5,000. If it doesn't work, then it's free. And you just, the only requirement is you tell us why. Okay, and so the, the, the point is, you, you move the purchasing decision up front, but you give them an out. And the advantage of doing that is, lawyers just don't care about deals like that you know but if in fact you're asking for dollars up front you get all kinds of terms and conditions and everything else Mm -hmm. but the conditional sale and the only requirement is the customer says it didn't work and so it's canceled so basically what you're doing is you're shifting all the risk because you're a new guy away from the customer and so Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work they're not out anything Mm -hmm. so it shows confidence in what you're doing and it, defer, and it uh, shifts the risk to you from them. What I found, though, is when you do that, is customers are much more likely to want to continue because, you know, uh, you, you form a partnership right up front, a no-risk partnership. So it's just a... Effectively. The other thing, too, is if you do take the money and it doesn't work, they're going to always resent what happened. Yeah, yeah, I don't okay, want to... like that. because you don't want to you not know, a happy customer out there, even if it's a one-shot deal for a small amount. So just just a thought, you may want to play with that.
5: Thanks. And Chad, uh, you're one seventy-five for yourself, and then lower for everybody else on your team. Don't do that uh, unless you're truly, truly the knowledge expert. Uh, you want to base it the exact same price as possible. So ten years ago, I was charging one hundred and fifty an hour. For a network engineer, and I was charging 150 an hour. So for me, it was pure profit. For if I had somebody else doing it, they're making 50 bucks an hour. I'm making 100 dollars an hour off their labor. Um, and that that way, unless you're talking about some low-level type of work, then you cut your rate. But if it's all the same, charge the exact same across the board for every person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that way, you're. You're making more profit when you have the lower level people working, and also try to get it to where they're doing all the work and not you. Mm. Because you've got to be feeding
0: that sales pipeline unless you have a sales team. Yeah. And that's it.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Mike.
0: Well, we came to the end of our hour four minutes ago. So, um,
4: (laughs) well, thank you all for your extra time. Seven minutes
0: ago. Yeah. So, you know, I, this has been really interesting uh, discussion, I think, Chad, for us as well, because we we're talking about changing the way I think you do business. Um, and, and that's that's actually been quite interesting. One of the things I was thinking about when uh, we were talking about how to sell here is that first and foremost, you just want to get on the vendor approved vendor list of any customer. Um, that seems to always facilitate payment later. Um, so uh that, that's interesting. I hope our comments have been helpful. We've enjoyed it. Um, we look forward to repeat offenders coming back. So if you choose to pivot, please come back. And if you know of anybody who uh, uh, would want to present at the Entrepreneur Hour, please uh, let us know and we'll follow up with them, so.
1: Well, thank you so much, really appreciate it.
0: Thank you all for coming.